0: Bulimia sucks, but you don't, and here's why. The Bulimia Sucks podcast with Kate Hudson-Hall will teach you how to begin breaking through the multitude of thoughts, feelings, triggers, and urges to empower yourself to change your painful behaviors completely. You will hear proven strategies and solutions to help you in your recovery, including real interviews with real people. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks, with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calmness. Check it out now on Amazon. And now... Another episode of Bulimia Sucks, the podcast.
1: Hello, my name is Kate Hudson Hall, and thank you for listening to Bulimia Sucks. Now, this is a platform for people to share relatable and uplifting and inspiring conversations based on bulimia and anorexia and other eating disorders. And each episode will include personal stories of where they are now and their difficult journeys and steps taken into their recovery, and also to professionals who work with people with eating disorders. My Bulimia Sucks audiobook is now live on Audible and Amazon and iTunes. And if you would be interested and would like a free copy of this, please email me at katehudsonhall at gmail.com. And then I can send you the code to download it for free. And also the Bulimia Sucks digital pack is now available. And this pack, this program is designed to show you how to begin to finally take those small steps forward in your recovery from your eating disorder And what is included is eight hours of video content, a copy of Bulimia Sucks, the PDF, and also a hypnosis recording, um, which is an MP3 download. There's a family and friends support ebook download and also a relaxation hypnosis recording for those times when you may feel very stressed or or anxious or whatever that may be, that difficult feeling, you just need some time out to calm and relax yourself. And also there is access to the private Facebook group for ongoing support and regular Facebook Live Q&A sessions with myself. So to find out more, if you go to bulimiasucks.com, all the information is in there. Now, our guest today is Stephanie Webb. Oh, it's very exciting. Stephanie is a podcaster, a speaker, and an author. And she is someone who believes in asking questions and challenging herself to grow. And I like that because we should all be doing that, questioning and challenging ourselves. And her podcast called Step Up Podcast is about learning more about ourselves and the world around us through authentic conversations. And also, which is really exciting, she's just published her very first children's book called What What Should Dragons... What should dragons do? Let me get it right.
0: (laughs) What should dragon do? Yeah.
1: (laughs) What should, oh, it is, should be, what should dragon do?
0: Yeah, dragon's a character.
1: (laughs) Oh, I see. What should dragon do? Which teaches how to navigate the everyday frustrations of life and handle them with kindness. But Stephanie's here today to talk about her experience with binge eating and her pathway through the muddy waters. So welcome, Stephanie.
0: Thank you, Kate. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. And I have to ask, do you do the hypnosis?
1: I do, yes.
0: Ah, because your voice is so soothing. I love it. (laughs) Oh, thank
1: you. Yes, no, I have done that for the last 22 years. So they are my hypnosis recording. So Mm. yeah. So welcome. And it's great to have you here, Stephanie. So, well, let's begin with your pattern with regards to food and your eating when you were younger and then moving forward.
0: Yeah. So it's really exciting to talk about this because like I was telling you, I think the more that we're able to talk about it, it's a very healing process.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so as far back as I can remember, I was stress eating, emotional eating, binge eating. And I think it's, I think it goes as far back. My earliest memory, I think I was four or something. Um, because I was working with a life coach and he asked me to, what was the earliest memory you have of when you were actually like maybe taking food and like enjoying it, but like you were not supposed to. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, and what did you feel during that time? Yeah. So um, I think also as well, growing up in the eighties and nineties, you were not, we didn't understand what full meant. You were just told you have to eat what's on your plate. So not only did I find sugary foods and that enjoyment whenever I was stressed and emotional, I would go to that. But I also didn't know when to stop because you were just forced to always finish what's on your plate. And that um, is so
1: common for all, oh, most of my, my clients.
0: That yeah, they right? were
1: told when they were young, you've got to eat everything on your plate.
0: And, and so that's so the way interesting. that you. Oh, yeah. sorry.
1: So that, that, that's kind of, that's the, the pattern that you get into So you're not tuning into that feeling of being moderately full. I call it. You just carry on eating until you've finished everything on your plate. And that's really hard for some people to be able to change that pattern.
0: And I, I have a niece and a nephew and they just, you know, when they're done eating, we would say, oh, you've got to finish what's on your plate. And then we started to realize as the world is realizing that's not healthy. So I was like, oh, mind blown. These kids can say no, I'm done.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah, shouldn't yeah.
0: force them. <laughs> but I think that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I was a chubby kid too. And so being I think it started maybe kindergarten grade one, I started getting teased uh-huh. for being chubby, and then I was fat. And I look back and I'm like, I was actually not, you know, maybe a little bit, but it wasn't. I wasn't obese, uh, but I took that on thinking I was fat and everyone, I was very insecure and highly sensitive person. So I took that all on upon myself, which made me then eat, especially when I got home, I'd have a bad day at school because kids were mean and I would go to food. Uh, and this developed, like I I've had this since as far back as I can remember. So I always, and then my mom always put us on different diets cause she was on Weight Watchers and she was trying to lose weight. So it's like, well, let's try the cabbage soup diet. Do you remember that one?
1: Yes. (laughs) I never went on it, but I remember people talking about it. Yeah.
0: And then you're starving and you're like, I want to eat real food. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been quite the journey. And I used to think that it was just self-control and what's, Why do I do that? I didn't even question why I did it. I just did it. But I was thinking, well, other people are skinny. I just need to be skinny. Um, and that was the hardest thing because then you try, and then you think, well, it's so hard because I'm stressed out, and I tend to eat, and it's you're kind of stuck in this cycle where then it's self loathing. Yeah. Which then you you go to food to to comfort yourself.
1: Yeah. And so many other different negative emotions that could be wrapped up in that. The re- yeah. you know, reasons why you reach out for food when you know oh, you're not yeah. hungry for it. You know, I I, I do believe that that the heavier somebody is, the more triggers and negative patterns there are connected with the food that need to be addressed.
0: Right, because you start to look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, oh. Um, I've gained weight. Oh, I feel awful. And then you, and then people tell you, you know, people will say, well, you're overweight. I'm like, thanks a lot. I didn't realize. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've had so many of those. Actually, can I tell you a funny story?
1: Oh, yes. We love funny stories. Please. Oh,
0: please. Uh, I think I, I was 20 and I was babysitting. I was helping a friend of mine who had like three young kids and she was a single mom And she didn't have a car. So I was taking her around and we went to the bank and she was a very petite woman and she had twins. So I was at the side with the twins and this other lady came over and she goes, oh, what cute children, you know? And I was like, oh, thanks, but they're actually hers. And she looked at me and she goes, but you look like you've had children. She doesn't look like she's had children. (laughs) Oh. And I turned bright red because I I was so insecure at that that time. And just, uh, you know, I just wanted to die inside. It was awful.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. People need to think before they, yeah, before they say things like that.
0: I think the, the world is changing and I appreciate that. I think we're becoming more sensitive to people's feelings. Yes. And you know the older generation calls it them all marshmallows, but I think it's wonderful. <laughs> what do
1: they call it marshmallows
0: marshmallows, like oh, you're too soft,
1: oh, I see, yes, but no, it's actually yeah. actually you know it's it's tuning into you know th- those those feelings that we have, yeah I'm working with them mm. Mm. for
0: sure
1: so so. As you were a teenager, I suppose the, 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 the behavior just continued, reaching out for food when something difficult happened.
0: Yeah, it actually just got even worse because as you're older yeah. and you start to drive and you have some money, you can go through drive through. And what I loved about drive through was you didn't have to walk into a store or a restaurant and have people look at you.
1: Of course, yeah. It's kind you of just a through. clause.
0: Yeah. Mm. Drive through, get your food, eat in your car. Mm. And nobody's judging you or looking at you. Um, so I remember thinking I love drive through, but at the same time, I hated it because it was so easy to go and just grab food. And I remember one time I was actually in college in my mid twenties and my parents and I were going to go out for dinner, but on the way home after school, I went to Burger King and I got, I ate a whole meal, the burger fries, pop. I was so full. And then we went out for dinner and I ate a whole meal and I was so full. I felt so sick and I hated myself. Cause I was like, why did you do that? It was like this compulsion. I had a bad day at school and I needed something to make me feel better. Yeah. That was like the worst, you know, the worst when you ate so much, you feel so sick
1: yeah.
0: and you can't move. And then you just, yeah. <laughs> that's when also the negative thoughts you're like you're so stupid I hate you why did you do this
1: yeah and then you beat yourself up yes which mm, makes self-loathing it worse. and the shame and the, oh. mm. but that
0: also uh one thing I always had was digestion issues and I never knew what it was like I didn't clue in the fact that I was eating so much and a lot of it was not healthy food I didn't put the two together and my doctor was no help because, you know, they, he was just like, well, I, you have IBS, but I don't have any medication for you. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I was like,
0: okay. Um, now at the same time, I also had anxiety. So my anxiety was also a trigger with my digestion. You know, it would, Yeah. but I've noticed that. Yeah. My anxiety has gotten a lot better over the years as I've been able to manage it uh but also the food so i notice when i eat too much and i eat the wrong kinds of like if i'm eating all bread in one day yeah i'm like oh yeah that's why i don't feel well that's why i'm having issues (laughs) but that was something that i never understood as a kid as a teenager well so so do you
1: think is it the carbs then if you eat too many carbs
0: and too much sugar and too much dairy right like if I go to Starbucks and get, I can get maybe a tall, but a grande or venti, I'm just like, Oh, my stomach is not like, I feel sick.
1: Right. So it's become very sensitive.
0: It has. Yeah. I actually thought I had a gluten allergy years ago when I stopped eating gluten and I lost a lot of weight. Uh but I was still, I had such bad anxiety. So of course, and I moved to Toronto. So I, I was, and I had depression. So I, I ate. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and I thought being skinny, I was like, wow, I finally made it, you know, I'm be- buying clothes is fun. I look good, but I was not healthy either way. Like I still hated myself. So, and you, you hear that from people, right? You hear, mm-hmm. well, even if you lose weight, you'll if you're not if you don't love yourself you're not going to love yourself skinny or or overweight Um, and that's so true because I thought I'd finally love myself if I lost all this weight and maybe guys would like look at me and go oh
1: (laughs) yeah yeah
0: rather than tease me
1: (laughs) yes yes and so so that at that time you lost a lot of weight um, and then, what was like the p- pivotal moment for you? What was the turning point for you?
0: To, to, to lose be, weight?
1: Yeah, to start to love yourself.
0: Oh, honestly, that's only been in the last two years.
1: Has it? So, yeah. yeah. But that's good. Good
0: its It's been an amazing two years. I, so I lived in Toronto for 10 years and i moved back to my hometown is i live in london ontario so we steal all the names from you guys we have stratford (laughs) thames river you know everything hyde park (laughs) (laughs) um so toronto was really hard and overwhelming and i just i gained i got up to like over 200 pounds right whereas when i when i moved to toronto i think i was 160
1: so why was it really hard for you
0: well, I went back to school and I also had certain different kinds of roommates and some of them were, the kitchen was not the cleanest and I couldn't, like, I felt really, I didn't like cooking in the kitchen because I'd, I'd have to take all day just to clean it. And then I was oh, too tired gosh. to do cooking. You know, I get really grossed out by, by things.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's but hard to live
0: with people.
1: <laughs> yes. It's not nice.
0: Um, and then just if I'm out, you know, at school and i take the transit home and I'm like, oh, I'll just stop for food because I'm too tired to make food. So, but I had, I had depression and anxiety. So, and just the lack of time, cause I was working and going mm-hmm. to school. So I got a lot of takeout um, and then Starbucks getting a lot of Frappuccinos and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And really- if you're
1: really unhappy anyway and depressed, then You know, that was giving you the comfort and making you feel better in some way and many other things, probably.
0: Yeah. So, um, oh, I was working and for some health issues, um, I left that job. And so I've been off work for two years, although I just started up with a job now. But um, it was a really, it was hard, but it was a really great time because I was able to heal in a way that I never had time before. I was doing a lot of reading on personal development, listening to podcasts and just, I had a life coach and he was really helping me, especially with the eating. Mm. We went through a lot of that kind of stuff. So, and the anxiety, I mean, I was on medication for about five years for anxiety and I was able to get off it last year and I'm, I'm learning to manage it. Oh so, no! Yeah.
1: Oh oh oh! So tell so Stephanie, tell the listeners how you, what really helped you to manage the anxiety.
0: Well, it was a lot of realizing what I grew up with and how I had changed over the years. I grew up very fundamentalist, conservative Christian. Like evangelicals, you know that yeah. term. And it's very people, yeah. <laughs> it's very got a very negative connotation. So uh, and we were basically told what to think all the time. And my dad is a very intense person. So it was like you have to be, you have to believe this and you have to do this. And so I realized after a while, I'm like, why do I get so anxious being around dad? Oh, cause he's so, you know, and I, I started to read more and understand about emotions and, and different, uh, how to handle that and how to handle our thoughts
1: because right. personal
0: development, like thinking positively was really not a thing that in the Christian environment I grew up in. No, like we're sinners and God is the one that makes us complete. Like we can't be you can't really say I'm awesome. I'm a good person. That was kind of, you don't say that stuff. Right. So really you're in this negative headspace a lot because you're like, well, I'm just bad. Yeah. And I think kind of just slowly unlearning what I learned and relearning or somebody said it's like reparenting yourself.
1: Yeah, Um, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So it's been, it's been hard, but it's been really, really amazing to go through this
1: and so because of you starting to change the way you think the anxiety has reduced
0: yes and i still actually i cuz i just started a new job i st- i can i get overwhelmed easily or i can't but my life coach was helping me and he goes okay tackle what's in front of you and i i'm the type of person that like Or I think we all have this tendency probably, (laughs) you know, you're thinking of 20 things at once. I got to do this. I got to do that. uh, And then you get stressed. And so he was kind of saying, when you're at work, don't think about your podcast and this and this and this, it's work time. And then that's over. And then, okay, now I can focus on this and prioritize your time, write it down. And so just doing different things like that and getting up and kind of doing some affirmations, doing some deep breathing going like moving that helped me in the morning. Cause I would always the person that woke up and go, uh, and I just like hit snooze a few times. Yes. And that kind of, have, you, me, have you,
1: Stephanie, have you read the miracle morning?
0: I have I yes. hour old. Yes. That was really amazing. Although I would get stressed because I'm like, this is so much to do all at once, but it's also finding your own your own thing. Yes. And so how it it's works a, the miracle
1: really. morning is basically about focusing on your time in the morning, getting up earlier, maybe an hour earlier. And within that hour, having various different areas to focus on. So one could be um 10-15 minutes meditation, another could be 10-15 minutes of yoga or, or going out for a walk and And having a number of different areas to within that hour to do. So then once you've spent that hour, that extra hour that you would have been sleeping through, you are set up for the day and you've got your mind focused. You've set yourself some goals for the day and you're ready. And people, thousands of people have been using the miracle morning and finding it so beneficial, haven't they?
0: Yes. Although like my, my life coach was saying, sometimes it can be too overwhelming if you're not in that kind of headspace, And that's yeah. what I found. Yeah. So we he goes, okay, let's start off with two things. We're going to yeah. get up and we're going to move and, you know, have a few minutes of just like quietness. Um, but I'm able to do more as I, cause I think, you know, if you just try to do all that at once, yeah. If you're the type of person that maybe has a hard time with that kind of stuff. So, but working up to it, you know, I'm working up to it.
1: So So that's good. But when, you know, when like you were saying that your mind can get very full and you can get very stressed, it's actually breaking down that bigger picture and thinking, okay, right. So how am I going to break down this, this, all of this stress and what am I stressed about? And okay, well, let's break down the bigger picture and just focus on one or two things here the next steps and then moving on from there.
0: Yeah. I have found that definitely helpful. And it's also helpful with the food. I, well, it's all together. Yeah. Like, cause I stress and then I stress eat. Yes. And it's like this, I'm sure a lot of your listeners will understand it. It's like this compulsion People would say, well, just don't go for that kind of food. And I wouldn't buy it at the grocery store. But when I was in that, that moment of needing it, I would go and take the bus to get that thing I needed. Yes. It wouldn't matter if it wasn't in my cupboards.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally get that. I'm sure many of the listeners can relate to that because if you really want that, you'll go and get it. But if you know, it's particularly if you deprive yourself of of not eating certain foods, if you're on a diet and you're depriving yourself and there's that last piece of chocolate cake in the fridge, you will go around and you will eat everything else that you shouldn't eat in the kitchen before you get to that chocolate cake. And then you'll end up eating that chocolate cake. Right. Anyway. Mm. So, you know, depriving yourself just doesn't work either, does it?
0: and i've been on those kind of diets
1: (laughs) Mm, i think probably (laughs) most people have
0: (laughs) you know like the really restrictive ones no sugar no gluten uh what else is there not even grains you know basically just vegetables and protein i think my max of i maybe two weeks was the max and then i binge eat and then i
1: yeah and then all hell lets loose and off you go
0: Exactly so,
1: yeah, so I think we can all relate to that, yeah,
0: oh. but it it's funny because uh, yeah, you know th- there was a lot of that going around, like the um what was that diet where all my friends were on you're not eating any glycemic keto,
1: oh, the keto diet, yes,
0: and I was like, I want to try it, but I was like, I know that I would I, if I have to say no bread ever, no potatoes ever, no, I was like, I don't think I can do that. Mm -hmm. And I get the concept of it. It makes sense in the sense of keeping your blood sugar. But if I do that, maybe if I can work on smaller steps instead of grabbing certain foods, I'm like, oh, I'm going to grab a crunchy cucumber instead of chips, then That helps me because even the crunch is what you kind of long for, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But then thinking, okay, but I'll have chips maybe on another day. I just won't, I just won't grab for them every time and not, not saying never. Yeah. Just saying like, yeah, I'll have that later, but I don't need it every day now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's good. So it's breaking down that pattern, isn't it? And then, and rethinking it yes Mm. yes yeah and so this is amazing so this last two years you've made all sorts of positive changes what other changes have you made Stephanie
0: ah oh that's a good question (laughs) I'm trying to think
1: so have you so when you eat now with regards to, I call it a feeling of being moderately full, because you spoke about that in the beginning. So when you eat now, are you attuned to the feeling of being full, moderately full? Yes. So you stop eating, you can stop eating.
0: Yes, but I find there's two parts of me. There is the the compulsion is so much less now. Like when I'm super stressed, I have found other ways of handling that. So it's so what not do you like, do
1: if, what, what do you do if you're very stressed?
0: Um. Well, I start to automatically. I start to like freak out and cry, and then <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, it's fine. Like I have to talk myself down because when I start getting overwhelmed. I'm like, I got to do this. And I got, it. oh, and especially with my new job, there's just so many things to learn. And I'm like, I'll never get this. And that was the attitude I always had with Mm. new jobs. I'll never get this, but I've been through it enough that I'm like, I will get it. Mm. It's just, I'm in this stage now of learning. And so I've just really been able to kind of take those negative thoughts that come stop them and turn it around. And yeah, that's been such a process, but it's so amazing because then I can think, okay, it's fine. And I calm down so much better and I don't need that medication and I don't need that food. Now, the only problem is though the habit part. So because for so long, that was what I would go to, even though that compulsion isn't there, the mm-hmm. habit part of me is still mm-hmm. kind of thinking of it. So,
1: yes.
0: So <laughs> do you find that too? Like people do people talk about the two different. Yeah, the habit absolutely. And the
1: absolutely, And it's, it's something that has been there all your life. So it's, it's something that you've got to work at. You've got to continue to work at it because those voices will always come in. Well, won't always come in, but the more that you can work with them, and first will be aware that they're there and then start to change them the more it will become a a continual habit and a pattern and then it will become ingrained. So that's
0: amazing. Yeah. Oh, another thing. Uh, Thinking of food differently, whenever I would eat chocolate cake or something, I'm like, I'm bad. That was bad. That's bad food. And so you know, this is what helpful with the podcast. Cause you get to talk to different people and learn from them. And I had this one guest on Julie Glynn. She wrote a, a book called if my ass were smaller, life would be perfect. <laughs> and she talks about that. She goes, don't put labels on food. If you want that chocolate cake, eat it, but say, okay, I had it just fine. And I found that helpful so much because I would be like, oh, you're bad. And then I'm Telling myself how bad I am because I ate it. It's like it's fine. I had it. Next, you know, next thing I'll I'll choose a healthier option. Yeah, Um,
1: and it's having it's 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 not depriving yourself of the food and we're having it within reason. Because like we were saying with the chocolate cake in the fridge, if you had just allowed yourself to have that and not deprived yourself of it, then you wouldn't have eaten everything else around in the kitchen that you shouldn't have eaten.
0: Yeah. So true. (laughs) Mm, mm, mm. So,
1: so going back to the feeling of being moderately full. So do you, are you attuned to that?
0: I, I know when I am full, but I'm not necessarily, I'm still at that point where I don't, I'm learning how to stop it. Mm. Some days are better than others. Like the other day I was, I was in the middle of something and I was like, I just can't finish this. And you know, that from growing up where you have to eat everything, you got to finish it. But then you are like, no, it's fine. I can pack it up, put it away. Some days I'm really good. Other days I'm just like, oh, I'll just finish it. So I'm, I'm still in the process of that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's good. But that's, you know, that's, it's a learning because there's so many different emotions that will come up that will drive you to ignore or, um, for whatever reason, carry on eating, you yeah. know, because that's something else that's been there for a long time. So it's having the tools to be able to stop yourself from continuing to eat.
0: And that's, I, I that was so lacking in a lot of the diets. And I had a personal trainer who was also, he would get mad at me when I gained weight. One time I I visited a friend and I didn't know I was staying for dinner. It was just, she made dinner and it was spaghetti and I was supposed to write out my meals. So the next week when I went to him and he goes, why'd you have spaghetti? I said, I was at a friend's house. I can't just say no, no, you should have just said no or, or left or, and I I thought what, Um, but he also, (laughs) he also didn't understand. And I didn't understand at the time that it was more than just doing, there was something, there was part of me, there's a huge part of me that needed to heal. And so until you dealt with the emotional and Mm. mental aspects of that, telling me what to do all the time and getting mad at me was making it worse.
1: Mm. Absolutely. And, and because, because
0: more people are more aware of this now. Yeah. Something. Yeah,
1: I do. Um, because I teach weight loss courses and I find that a lot of people they're not actually aware of the feeling of um well, first of all, I do believe that if you um are not addressing the reasons why you're reaching out for food when you're not hungry. They will always be there. So people go on diets and they, you know, some people do very well and lose weight, but then, you know, six months down the line, they more than likely will have put the weight back on plus plus weight. Um, And it, is really important that we, that people have to understand that they need to address the reasons why they're reaching. It's a whole bigger picture, but one of the areas is re- to address the reasons why they're reaching out for food when they're not hungry. That needs to be addressed. But also when I teach my weight loss courses, um, I also like to... Um, guide my clients towards starting to tune in to the feeling of being moderately full. This is what I call it. And it's a it's a feeling that is shortly before the feeling of being full. And it's very different for everybody. And for some people, it could be maybe a physical feeling like a slight flutter in the tummy. Other people, the food stop t- stops tasting so good. So they know that that's their signal. Um, other people, um, it's a knowing. It's a knowing that they've had enough. So it's very different for everybody. But because it's not a, such a strong feeling, like that feeling of being full, it's people don't know that it's there and they don't recognize it. So it's starting to tune in and eat, eat slowly and consciously, And as you do that, then you you're giving yourself the time to be able to become more aware of what that feeling is for you, that moderately full feeling is. So before you get to the feeling of being full and starting and then learning how and having the tools to be able to stop eating at that particular point.
0: That's very interesting that different people have different understanding when they're full, because I didn't. I didn't know that. I thought we all just had the same yeah. feeling. or,
1: <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, because everybody's different. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some people, it might be very kinesthetic, or very, you know, feeling orientated. Other people, it's a thought that they have. So it, mm. it, it, uh, it does depend on the individual. But that is something I think that's very important for people to start to um, tune in and be aware of to help them to become slimmer.
0: I remember hearing you stop, was it when you're 50, percent full or 50% full and then wait 20 minutes because then your stomach fills. up, yeah. And then, but that that was always the hard thing because, oh, also um, I did work with a naturopath last year and she was talking about don't eat in front of a screen. Which I tend to do, especially when I when I lived alone, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're just like, oh, yeah, watching TV and eating. But you're not being mindful of it. You're Absolutely. Just stuffing it in your and the,
1: the, actually, there shouldn't you shouldn't be doing anything. You shouldn't be watching TV on your phone, on the computer, whatever. When you're eating, you should be focusing on the foods that you're eating because so many people are just busy watching TV and not recognizing that they're actually eating, that they'll finish that meal and they won't really have even tasted a mouthful. So you need to stop and you need to focus on what you're eating and enjoy the flavors and the textures and the tastes and everything when you're eating.
0: That's, how how long does it usually take for people to do that? Cause I find that hard.
1: To We're so take, used
0: to just shut it in eat, our
1: It depends what you're eating. Um, but it takes I think it's 20 minutes for that feeling of being full to actually but then everybody's different so it you know it does depend but the slower that you can eat the easier it will be for you to really begin to change your patterns and tune into that feeling of being moderately full right so you all need to slow your eating down to a quarter of what it was try that But you need to focus. You've got to eat consciously and slowly, because otherwise you'll just fall back into your old patterns. You need to be aware and enjoy the foods, because then you'll you'll feel more satisfied because you'll have actually recognized and realized that you've eaten something and enjoyed it.
0: What about? uh, So I've tried the intermittent intermittent fasting, Mm. and I actually it has helped me because in the morning I'm not I'm not hungry until maybe 10 or noon, but then other people say it can be a trigger for an eating disorder because I'm, and so I, I wasn't sure if you know about if intermittent fasting is, is kind of hard for some people with eating disorders.
1: Yes, it will be, mm-hmm. um, because you are depriving your body of the food. So they, you and you get particularly hungry, you get very hungry. So therefore it could easily lead to a binge.
0: Right. And that's what I experienced when I first started it.
1: Yeah. And that's, you know, so I know it works for a lot of people, but for somebody with that has some sort of eating disorder, it's not going to work. You need to address everything else that's going on around and get to the point where you can have the tools to be able to only eat when you're hungry. Eat slowly and consciously and then be aware of that feeling of being moderately full and stopping eating. Yeah. But there's so many other areas connected to that. So it's looking at the whole bigger picture. You know, you need to look about how much you're moving your body because it's not, you know, it's not rocket science. You know, if you're not moving your body, then you don't need to eat so much. Right. You know, really. So um it's it's looking at how much water you're drinking, it's looking at the whole bigger picture and figuring out taking the whole bigger picture and like we were saying, taking it and breaking it down into minute little steps of how you can move forward with with all of the different areas. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Yes, I have been teaching this for a long time and I love it.
0: That's awesome. I think it's amazing what you're doing. I mean, and the, and the fact that you're doing the podcast and you have these groups, such a safe space for people and to hear other stories is very helpful and to know we're not mm-hmm. alone. I mean, I, I just think I applaud you for the amazing work you're doing.
1: Oh, thank you. That's so kind. So I know we're running out of time, but I just wanted to hear about your book.
0: Mm. So it's called What Should Dragon Do? <laughs> you can oh, see that.
1: I love it. Yes.
0: So it's about three roommates who live together. <laughs> and you know those tiny things that happen that will just enrage you? Mm. Like um, somebody leaves toothpaste in the sink and they don't clean it up. And yes. then you're like... So Dragon is the character who gets very angry. Oh, okay. And she doesn't really think of others in a sense. So she got mad at the fact that one of the other bears that she lives with left toothpaste in the sink. So she wrote a note and she's like, please clean up your toothpaste. And one of the other bears came home and said, oh, okay. They thought it was funny and then just cleaned it up because they're like, what's the big deal? Mm. And so it's kind of just things like that. Yeah. We should clean up after ourselves, but sometimes things get missed and it's, it's okay to just, you know, you can clean it up. It's fine. Or, or just have a different attitude than, than to get angry about it. Um, and it, and then you ask what should dragon do? So like what, what would have been a better response? So this book is for children's ages, like three to six. Yes. Um, I've had some of my, actually one of my old roommates she read it and she was like laughing the whole time she's like oh my word yeah (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: this
0: is different scenarios when when I lived with roommates (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's my first book I'm super excited it's it's when did it launch uh it just came out so oh uh, and is it
1: for sale on Amazon
0: yes uh Amazon Barnes and Noble in the U.S. uh Actually, I don't know all the different ones. Ingram Wholesale, I think. But anyway, you can actually, if you want to go to my website.
1: So Ingram Spark,
0: yeah. Webb.com. And there's the links to buy it on there.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then we'll put a link below anyway, so people can connect to it from there. <laughs> yes. Oh, how excited! Well, congratulations.
0: Thank you. Isn't it? I, I never, ever thought I would accomplish. I never thought I could accomplish anything. but.
1: Look at you now with your podcast and your book. It's amazing, Stephanie. And I'm
0: getting over that imposter syndrome, you know, where you're just like, you can't do this. Who Mm -hmm. is going to listen to you? And now it's, it gets, that voice goes away. The more you do these kind of things. Yes. Yes. Like I can do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And people can learn from that. So the more that you do something, the quicker that voice will reduce. Yes. And quieten down, stop giving you a hard time because it will do over time. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you, Kate, this
0: This was so much fun.
1: Fabulous having you on. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I know that the listeners will really appreciate your honesty and, um, and and learn from you from your experience. So thank you very much.
0: Thank you for giving me the chance.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that's all for today's episode of bulimia sucks. And thank you to everybody for listening and join us again on the next episode of bulimia sucks and make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. So you never miss an episode. And also check out my book, Bulimia Sucks, on Amazon to learn many different techniques to help you to begin to break through your painful bulimic behaviours. And I'd love to hear what you think, so please leave me a review. So thank you to everybody for listening, and I'll speak to you in the next episode.
0: Bulimia sucks, but you don't. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks, with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calm this. Check it out now on Amazon.